0: The Secret World Chronicle, a podcast novel series written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jagger. presenting Season 8, Collision. Eskimo, written by Mercedes Lackey and Veronica Jagger. The recent conversation with Sarah had given Ramona Ferrari a lot to consider during her days at the CCCP headquarters. She spent much of her time doing paperwork, filling out forms stamped with the stylized hammer and sickle. Although she had felt odd writing requests in triplicate with the portrait of Marx scowling at her, Ramona had settled into a bit of a rhythm, managing Red Savior's requests with a monotone, Da Commissar, that walked the line between boredom and disrespect. The severe woman didn't argue with the detective's efficiency, and Ramona didn't argue with Natalia's demands for office supplies. The commissar didn't scare Ramona, which was something in and of itself. Most of the non-CCCP metahumans who encountered Natalia gave her plenty of space and didn't attempt to argue with her. Ramona had no problem pointing at the mistakes and fallacies in Natalia's arguments, but she did have the decency to do it when they were in the presence of a select few. Soviet and Bella were those select few, and Ramona had realized that Bella savored those moments when one of them could go toe-to-toe with Red Savior. At the moment, Bella stood with her arms folded across her chest, her blue lips pressed in a thin smile, while Soviet held a hand to her own forehead in frustration. For her part, Ramona maintained a calm expression and tone as Red Savior shook the upper half of a nano-weave suit inches from her face. This is CCCP standard uniform. This will go under the black and red if you are to be engaging in combat. And as you are no longer on medical leave, you will be engaging in combat exercises. Red Savior pointed a finger at Soviet. She says you are no longer in infirmary. If you are not infirm, you will engage in duties other than paperwork. Commissar, I am not wearing that nano weave. It's not an option. Ramona began for the sixth time. My current physiology won't let me. You are no bigger than Chug, and we have standard uniform for him. Is not to be a fashion show on streets of Atlanta. Red Savior fumed and narrowed her eyes. Is not Echo and pinup calendar time. Bella smothered a laugh. The noise prompted Savior to fix her with a murderous glare, which only caused Bella to laugh even harder. A quick glance to Soviet told Ramona that she had gone from being frustrated to amused, the corners of her eyes crinkling even as tears streamed down Bella's face. "'Does this amuse you, blue girl? Is the demand for CCCP uniform and safety some kind of joke to echo now?' Red Savior offered her own fierce wolfish grin in warning. You find me funny? Hysterical Bella choked out. Nat, this isn't about your uniform. This is about safety and support. The blue meta made a visible effort to restrain herself. Bear Will never be able to take his eyes off of her boobs. You really want him drooling and shooting randomly in combat? Ramona had managed to keep a straight face in spite of the laughter. She cleared her throat and brought up both hands to gesture to her chest. What Bella and Sovi are trying to tell you is that the Nano weave also isn't going to provide adequate combat support for someone of my proportions. The three of you don't have to contend with gravity in quite the same way that I do. Natalia opened her mouth as if to argue again, but she stopped as Ramona continued to hold her hands level with her chest. I need more than nanoweave or spandex up top, Commissar. Something that can provide protection without any metal alloy. Otherwise, that's going to disappear rather quickly.' In the weeks following her death and recuperation, Ramona had learned that any unprotected metal or metal covered with a layer of anything thin, like paint, could be absorbed into her skin. She had taken to wearing gloves while doing paperwork to ensure that staples didn't disappear. Without that, I can't go on patrol. Bella nodded in agreement. She's right. Dolly's got it worse in the top heavy department but at least her skin won't eat her underwires. If you want her out with the rest of the comrades she'll have to wear something better than standard issue CCCP. She studied Ramona's figure for a moment, her blue lips pursed in thought. Something natural, maybe we could infuse it with nanoweave for structure, kind of like a nanoweave mesh in between two layers. If we compact it enough, it could act like metal. Da, would need a lot of support, Soviet offered. She stepped closer to Ramona and pulled at the baggy coveralls. Here and here, especially in high combat situations. Natalia scowled. Mutation is metal, da. Why can you not to be making these supports on your own? Ramona scowled back at the commissar. "'It's not that simple. I'm still trying to figure out what to do. I haven't gotten to metal bikini level yet, and even if I do, is patrol really the best option? Is that all we're going to do? Wait until the next wave of spheres and kriegers descends upon the city? Sit and wait to react?' "'Is something better to do?' You and Blue Girl are planning attack on metal alien Svinas over talks of fashion? Natalia sniffed and crossed her arms. More attack, less fashion. Keep talking. The veiled bit of support from the Commissar was encouraging, and Ramona focused on Bella as she continued. I'm serious. There's been some progress made in figuring out what they are, who's controlling them, how they attack, but... We still don't have any more help. We're still no closer to getting the medicines to help us. Bella considered this and nodded. They're a true democracy. They have to have the real majority in order to support us, but even then we can't be sure of the kind of support. Ramona pursed her lips thoughtfully. In any organization, strong lines of communication maintained some semblance of order when everything else crumbled. Leaders could change and locations could shift, but as long as someone kept the path of communication open and informative, life went on. It was why Overwatch was the backbone of the real Echo and how they had managed to retain so much during the loss of Alex Tesla and the rise and fall of Dominic Verdigris. Everyone on the ground remained informed to some extent— Some knew more than others, but the lines of communication stayed open, and people knew the names and voices they could trust for the truth. Because they hadn't been able to trust the medicines, the leaders of Echo had kept them out of the loop. They kept the talking heads informed, but Ramona knew that Tesla and even Marconi filtered the news that they passed to their caretakers and allies in the alien city. To make sure that Metis knew the whole story and what was at stake— They had to hear it from those who were in the thick of the fight and who understood the real odds against the Thulians. Eskimos, Ramona muttered, tapping her forefinger against her lower lip. Bella caught both the word and gesture, and both eyebrows shot upward in surprise. The iciest, she agreed in a heartbeat. But I don't think we're there yet. We've got other options to speak with the medicines... That's why we have the Quantator and the Blue Heads and even Mercury. And none of them really understand the scope of what's going on down here. Sure, Mercury has seen the Kriegers and Death Spears, but how long has he been stuck up there? How much news are they getting that isn't filtered through Tesla and Marconi? Ramona glanced from Bella to the Commissar and Soviet. Who else goes into that room to speak with them besides me on a semi-regular basis? Red Savior wrinkled her nose at the question. Is not more important than patrols and support of other initiatives. I have no desire to sit for tea and conversation with scared old men. Ramona couldn't help but beam at the words. Exactly, she said triumphant. "'It's a conversation with scared old men. "'They're adorable, they're smart, "'but they're lousy ambassadors for what needs to be done. "'They can't speak for you, Bella. "'They're not going to have the best interests of Echo in mind "'when they present our case.' "'They don't get it,' Bella said, nodding slowly. "'They can't. "'They've lost that human element, "'and they're terrified of mortality. "'Honestly, it makes me wonder if that isn't the main problem.' They've had a good long taste of immortality, and they are afraid to lose it. Exactly. We can only trust them so much because they're not going to argue for something that could threaten their existence. The former detective flashed a wolfish grin that prompted the commissar to snort in surprise. Whereas I've already faced my end and come back with some interesting abilities... I'm fully invested in the cause, I know that we need real help, and I am not afraid to go into whatever passes for their boardroom and make the case. Bella had nodded throughout Ramona's little speech, her lips twisting in concentration while her eyes focused on the far wall. From the way the corner of her mouth twitched, Ramona wondered if Thickey was weighing in on the conversation from Overwatch. She glanced to the commissar and found Natalia grinning back at her in what appeared to be enthusiastic approval. Soviet's expression wasn't as harsh, but she allowed a small nod of solidarity as Bella continued her private conversation with herself and whomever chimed in via her comm. "'You can't afford to send anyone else,' Ramona added. "'You need everyone else in the core group. Pride still needs to be your face.' Bull needs to be right there in the mix, and I think we can all agree that the genie should not be allowed in any kind of public relations capacity. For all intents and purposes, I'm dead. No one's expecting me to show up anywhere. Steel Maiden doesn't need to be seen again now that I've made my appearance, and I can actually play bait a lot better if I am nowhere to be found. Maybe, but the question is, how do you get to meet us? We can't get you there, Bella pointed out. Ramona drew a deep breath. But if I find a way, if I buy my own ticket, so to speak, do I have your approval to speak on Echo's behalf to get the medicines in our corner and willing to help us? Bella glanced at Natalia. You think she should go, don't you? It would pain me to lose such efficient paperwork, girl, but... Others will replace. The commissar's eyes lit up in delight. Let's send this one to negotiate with Moscow, but Moscow would crumble too easily. Wow! High praise from Natalia was rare, and Bella didn't hide her surprise. That settles it then. You find a way. You can go, but you tell me first. You got it? Ramona bobbed her head in agreement. Got it. Give me half a day and I'll know for sure. In the meantime, can we figure out a better clothing solution? If I'm going to head into the thick of battle, I'm going to need a real one that won't be more than a cloth sausage casing, you know? Oh, I've got ideas. Bella's expression demonstrated her own wolf-like grin, a testament to just how much the Commissar had rubbed off on the young metahuman leader. She grabbed one of the nano-weave suits and headed for the office door. Sergey and Carson aren't officially part of Echo, but they do a lot of custom solutions. I'll see what they can pull together for you. She left the room, chuckling to herself the entire way. You go nowhere until you eat. Soviet wagged a delicate finger at her patient and kept her voice stern. You are getting too skinny, and you need to support your new metabolism. If you are wanting to speak with anyone else, you will eat first, da? And if you are not to be choosing wisely, we'll send Pavel to share his canned ravioli and stories of great patriotic war. Natalia's smile was full of teeth and fierce delight. She rubbed her hands together. Or we'll make you both share Waffle House. Ramona crept through the hallway of the CCCP headquarters on her way to the room that held the quantator. She had made herself a pair of peanut butter sandwiches in the hope that would satisfy Soviet's requirement for eating, but the stern doctor had declared it a snack and made Ramona promise to eat more later. That was a big change from the life she had once led. But pictures didn't lie, and those pictures of Steel Maiden on the Harper's website had proven beyond a doubt that the new Ramona Ferrari was not going to have to worry about weight ever again. Or at least not weight in the sense that normals thought about it. She had a different sort of weight problem now, one she shared with Bulwark. With plate in hand, Ramona approached the lounge that held the ancient television that Soviet Bear commandeered for much of the time when he didn't patrol. The theme from the Golden Girls blared. Ramona heard a dirty chuckle, followed by a wolf whistle that ended in a rusty cough. She did her best to creep down the hallway, but her footsteps fell heavy, and she heard the thick voice call from the other room. "'Is B. Arthur best been up? Come see!' He laughed but didn't get up. Ramona held her breath and waited for him to say something more. When she heard another cough she continued down the hallway toward the closet that held the quantator. Vicky's magic had locked the closet for most of the CCCP, but it still allowed Ramona to enter and pull up a chair in front of the desk. She froze as the chair creaked under her heavier frame. She had already endured the embarrassment of a broken bed frame as well as bent doorknobs and cracked doorjams. Having the chair break mid-conversation with Mercury would be a level of mortifying she hadn't encountered since middle school. Ramona felt her stomach twist and knot. She recognized it as hunger and attacked the first sandwich. Her metabolism had accelerated since the accident, requiring her to eat every three hours. She had asked Soviet if she could manage an IV, but Ramona's skin would not allow a needle to pass through the first layers. Both the Russian doctor and Bella had warned her that a metahuman metabolism required more calories and that she needed to eat to heal from the accident. Paging Mr. Tesla, she said around a mouthful of sandwich. Mr. Tesla, you're wanted in the lobby. Paging Mr. Tesla. The blue electric field hummed around the slender antenna that extended from the desk. The image shuddered and flickered to show a different but equally familiar wireframe face. Mr. Marconi's expression registered nothing short of surprise when he recognized Ramona sitting at the desk. Signorina Ferrari, the reports, we received much of the information that was transmitted on the regular channels. The official reports all said that you were dead. Marconi's eyes narrowed as he appeared to inspect her from head to toe. But you are just too skinny. This is not good, Signorina. I'm supposed to be dead, sir, Ramona chirped. She chose to ignore the skinny comment. Ramona Ferrari is dead, thanks to Dominic Verdigris and his flunkies. It's been an interesting experience, and I've not been able to talk with you and Mr. Tesla until now. You should not be concerned with the feelings of two old men. Your beau has been beside himself with the news. Marconi scowled at her. And you wait until now to make this known? Ramona scowled back. Security. Trust me, I nearly died. I'm not lying about that part, and we lost plenty of others. And that was just Dominic Verdigree trying to thin out the people he suspected of being malcontents. Attacks are happening on a more regular basis. Thulean attacks that are becoming more strategic. We've been a little busy, sir. Marconi pursed his lips and studied her while she bit off a corner of her sandwich. Well... You are quite alive, dear lady. The rest of this can be discussed later, after I reassure Nicola that you have not gone the way of his nephew. I have the feeling he will be as displeased with this charade as I am. For now, though. The image faded, and the blue field shifted to show the little white room where the medicines kept mercury. So... I wake up with the Russians and Parker staring at me like I'm at the bottom of a petri dish, and my tongue feels like someone's coated it with the stuff they use for dental fillings. Whatever she did to bring me back from the edge meant that she had to activate some metagene, and mine decided to go all heavy metal. Ramona sat back and offered a half-smile to the image in the guantator. Mercury stared back, eyes red-rimmed without actually crying, and an expression of utter disbelief on his face for most of her retelling. It's got some interesting combat abilities, although I'm not completely cleared for active duty. They've already given me a call sign, though. Steel Maiden. Mercury passed a hand over his face and looked away from the screen. He hadn't said much beyond a few half-sentences and a string of sailor-worthy swearing at the mention of Verdigri, and Ramona's story had seemed to drain the rest of the anger from him. He dropped his chin to his chest and heaved a huge sigh. So, you're alive, but since you're meta, they're going to put you on active patrol. I guess that makes sense, but how much training are you going to get? That question wasn't one that Ramona expected. She frowned at him. Training? I went through years of training as an echo detective, Rick. I didn't spend a decade as a glorified paper pusher while Alex was running things. I probably went through more firearms training than you did, come to think of it. Training to manage the mutation, he corrected, still not looking at her. Training to make it work for you in combat. Training so it doesn't control you when you don't want it to. And the psych evaluations... Have already been done by two doctors, she finished. Ramona hadn't expected this sullen form of coddling, but she couldn't fault him for being angry. They had purposely kept the medicines in the dark about the survivors of the accident, just in case those communications had somehow been compromised. Look, I'm sorry you're upset. Upset? He whipped around to glare at her. Upset doesn't even begin to describe it. I'm stuck here, unable to do anything but listen to those two argue about how the medicines won't make a decision. When they heard about what happened at Five Corners, they kept putting things to votes. Votes! Rick's voice echoed off the walls, exasperation in his words. They're they're still voting! Even your spaceship friends? He stopped and stared at her. Who? The pilots of that spaceship. You said they came to see you every so often. Purple hair, kind of grabby. One of them watched Next Generation because she had a crush on Riker? Ramona saw him start to smile. Yeah, them. So they come over to watch TV with you? Well, yeah. Trina mostly. She's nice enough, he said. Why? Ramona took a deep breath. What does she think of this whole voting thing? Rick snorted at the question. (laughs) She's one of the ones trying to convince them to send more help and get involved. They actually saw what happened down here, and they know that we need more help. There's more technology up here that she thinks could be shared without too many repercussions. But... But... Ramona prompted. What's the catch? Prime directive, he answered. That's half the argument. She sat back and stared at the fuzzy blue outline surrounding the clear image. You're kidding me. That's just... You're kidding me, right? I wish. They call it something else, and they have a bunch of other arguments about interference and influence, but a lot of the argument comes down to that. Influencing a lesser species in civilization can be reason enough to not aid them in a time of war. Ramona started to open her mouth, but Rick must have seen it and rushed ahead. Plenty of people here see that the war could come to them, but not enough believe that argument. Well, we'll just have to make them believe. Violate the Prime Directive first, as it were. She did her best Red Savior Grin. It had the desired effect as Rick leaned back from the screen with an uneasy smile. You think Trina would be willing to pick me up sometime soon? Smuggle me up there? His eyes widened. You... Really? You're going to come here and talk to them? You get me a ride, and I'll be there on behalf of Echo. I talked Tesla into a magic solution, she answered with a hint of pride. And if not, maybe I can at least get you home. He let out a huge sigh, his shoulders sagging with the motion. Home. Home would be amazing. Home would be color and sunlight and seasons and a chili cheeseburger at the varsity. With a frosted orange? Ramona teased. Ah, Chocolate shake. Chocolate shake, then. She ran both hands through her hair and leaned back. Eyes closed, Ramona thought through the plan out loud. So, you talk to your contact and see what she can do about getting me a ride from here to there. Bella's given me permission to negotiate on her behalf, but we have to figure out what I can say that will get the medicines to pull their enlightened heads out of their equally enlightened asses. Do the Thulians know that Midas has been sponsoring Echo? All that technology and intelligence... Rick offered. "'They have to know about the transport that got me here, and they have to wonder about where the body of their buddy Eisenfaust went.' Ramona pursed her lips. Did the Thulians have the intelligence to put two and two together? That hair-raising escapade at the diner had proven that they could track specific individuals, and they had been gunning for Alex Tesla. They hadn't managed to track the quantator— and Ramona suspected that they didn't know about that communication device. Given the history between the Thulians and the Metas that had returned from the times of Nazi Germany, she figured that there must be some shared knowledge about the early days of Echo and its founders. "'If Metis is still ahead, they're not that far ahead,' she said. "'They won't be able to stay ahead "'if the Thulians keep picking at the defenses down here. "'Sooner or later, they're going to seek out better targets,' And that's going to include Metis. The figure on the other side of the quantator shook his head. We've tried the defense strategy, remember? They don't think it's bad enough to get involved. But they think it's bad enough to indefinitely detain a metahuman who managed to accompany a body on an alien transport ship? Ramona narrowed her eyes. Did they ever give you a reason as to why you had to stay up there, or were they just looking for eye candy? Rick's cheeks flushed pink. Whether it was from anger or embarrassment, Ramona couldn't tell. I... well, no. No, they didn't. Other than it was safer and that they couldn't let me go until they made a decision as to what to do with me. (laughs) Sounds like a bullshit answer to me, she snorted. I think I can do better. You figure out a way to talk to your contacts there. See if they're up for a trip. I'll be back tomorrow to iron out the details. In the meantime, I need to get fitted for a suit. A suit? For the first time, Rick seemed to study her more closely. Oh, because you went meta? But they can size weave pretty easily. It's just the color you can't change. It's a long story. I'll tell you when I get there. Ramona winked at him and leaned forward. "'Same time tomorrow. "'Don't let anyone talk you out of it, okay?' (laughs) Like they could.' The next thirty-six hours went by in a blur of hurried subterfuge. Bella had returned to the CCCP headquarters with a fastidious Ukrainian gentleman dressed in a suit that he declared was aubergine when Ramona had tried to compliment the purple hue. Bella had introduced him as Echo's personal tailor, a metahuman who made threads speak to each other much the same way she did with cells and neurochemicals. The three of them had taken over one of the offices as a fitting room for the evening. In less than six hours, Sergei had finished a silicone-reinforced version of the NanoWeave suit, complete with a corset-like piece—the silicone reinforcement—that hugged Ramona's torso and provided both protection and support. He had declared it finished before asking Bella for a name. A name? Bella eyed Ramona cautiously. We're, um, still working on that part. Steel Maiden, Ramona quipped dryly, flashing both hands with four fingers and pinkies extended. I like the one Spin gave me, so let's keep it. (laughs) So metal, dude. Bella had dissolved into a fit of giggles at that, but it satisfied Sergey, and he jotted the name in a small notebook that he tucked into his jacket. He slipped out of the office, leaving the two women to discuss the final stage of the plan. Ramona waited until she heard the doors open and shut in the hallway before tugging on the sleeves and the underbust. She hadn't thought it was possible to feel both completely covered yet exposed at the same time, but skin-tight silicone nano somehow made that possible. Now that I've got an appropriate travel wardrobe, it's time to travel. I guess we should make the call, huh? Vicky chirped a reply. They're here. It's not the right time of year for reindeer, but it's something on the roof. Something big. Ramona and Bella shared a look of surprise. I didn't think they'd show up that quickly. When I talked to Rick earlier today, he had said he was going to bring it up. "'Guess it was brought up, approved, and put into motion.' Bella tilted her head toward the stairwell. "'You got your toothbrush?' "'No. I'll pick up one when I get there.' The two women climbed the back stairs to the roof, Ramona feeling the hairs on the back of her neck standing straight up as they pushed open the access door. The stars high above Atlanta shone bright, with the exception of a large blob of black that hummed and vibrated dangerously close to the rooftop, Ramona clutched at Bella's forearm as blue lines reminiscent of the quantator crisscrossed the sky. Jeebus Clooney! Grown up swear words, ma'am. This one rates at least a holy shit, don't you think? Ramona swallowed hard and watched the thin column of light pool on the rooftop. A ramp snaked through the light to grip the gravel-covered surface. Victrix, are you sure you'll be able to keep an eye on me? Magic's magic. Across the street or halfway across the universe. Of the three of them, the technomancer's voice held the most calm. A lone figure descended the spiraling ramp at a jog, dark purple hair swinging in a perfect chin bob. It stopped a few steps from the rooftop and waved frantically at the two women. Well, one of you has to be Ramona Ferrari, because anyone else would be screaming. Please come aboard so we can close the aperture and depart. Bella nudged Ramona with her elbow. That's your cue. Sounds like it. Ramona released the thin blue arm and exhaled slowly. Here goes everything. She rolled her shoulders back and crossed to the light-filled staircase. As they stepped on the ramp, Ramona felt her entire body hum and resonate, and she realized that the translucent surface beneath her feet was bringing her up to the purple-haired figure. For a brief moment, she considered leaping back to the ground and asking Bella to find someone else to speak to Metis. By the time she realized that her new abilities would help her body accommodate the shock, Ramona stood face to face with the smiling medicine pilot. "'Oh, brilliant!' You managed to come up here the first time. Mercury said that you wouldn't hesitate, but I admit that I had my doubts. The pilot beamed at her, showing perfectly straight teeth in a smile out of a chewing gum commercial. It's so delightful to be proven wrong. Are you ready to go? The whirlwind commentary and unfailingly polite address caught Ramona off guard. She bobbed her head in agreement, unable to find words to reply. The smile was so bright. Brilliant, the pilot repeated. Have a seat. I can't wait to see his face when you finally arrive. Ramona couldn't decide if the trip to Metis involved legitimate dimensional travel or if this genius race could break a half-dozen rules regarding the space-time continuum and just apologize afterward. She arrived at the hangar in Metis, only to be hurried down a long white hallway and through a thin gelatinous barrier that clung to her skin. The pilot abandoned her just before the barrier, offering only a whispered, "'Good luck!' and a shove through the blue field. Ramona gasped at the alien sensation and gagged as her skin rejected the unwelcome coating by creating a thin shell of its own. The blue goo slid to the floor, and she brought her hands up to her face to clear her vision. The room... Ramona realized, was dark. She couldn't make out any walls or a ceiling, and the veil of blue disappeared in an electric zip that left the tang of ozone in its wake. Left in this expanse, Ramona wondered if she should expect the floor to give way and give her the opportunity to float. She tested the floor with one foot. The tap seemed solid enough. She tried with the other foot, and the entire floor hummed in response. "'Well, shit,' The vibrations carried into her teeth. Should have stayed still. The vibrations intensified, the air around Ramona humming with energy. She blinked up to see tiny blue lines filling the space beneath what she hoped was the ceiling. The outline contained more and more details with each second, until Ramona realized that she stared straight into the larger-than-life-sized countenance of Barconi. It grinned at her. Ramona was thankful for that much. She wasn't sure if she would have contained her bladder if the huge face had demonstrated anything but approval. She chanced to smile in return. Buongiorno, Signore Marconi. I must say, you're a bit taller in person. The wireframe laughed, a somewhat terrifying sight in the otherwise empty space. Indeed, Miss Ferrari, this is a surprise, although I should have expected it. Nicola, he will be surprised as well. The room hummed a second time, and Ramona was only slightly less surprised to find a second, more severe image hovering over the floor in blue wireframe. Unlike Marconi, Tesla did not appear amused at her presence. I see that you have found a way to leave the Russians, Tesla remarked, his tone dry and his words clipped. You secured your own transport here? I make friends easily, Ramona shrugged nonchalantly. It's a gift. One of several, it seems. Marconi squinted, leaning uncomfortably close to her arm. This is amazing. Nicola, did you notice? Of course I noticed, Tesla snapped. The manifestation of the Meta-Ability is not easily ignored, especially in a case like this. The head swiveled to I, Ramona. And this was a function of your accident? The events occurring after the unlocking of the Charter? Yes. Her voice did not waver. The healer triggered the healing response, but the rest happened by accident. If she hadn't, I wouldn't be standing here. The massive head spluttered, a terrifying display as the azure outlines buzzed and shifted. The healer? Echo has no healers able to function at the subcellular level, young lady. Not possible. Perhaps you are attributing the change to something else, given your limited exposure to... Ramona bristled at the condescending address in tone. Without stopping to consider protocol or politeness, she shook a metal-swathed finger at Tesla's enormous nose. First of all, getting my own custom subcutaneous armor ability didn't take away my rank within the organization, so this young lady nonsense can go the way of the dodo. It's Detective or Miss Ferrari if you're going to pull that holier-than-thou bullshit with me. And second, you should stop presuming that you know everything about everyone in the organization, especially when it comes to Parker. If it wasn't for her leadership and decisions, you'd probably be an app on Verd's phone about now. So how about you offer the little earthlings a bit of respect? She paused to breathe and dropped her hand to her side. Sir. Marconi chuckled softly. Amazing, he repeated. Tesla drew his lips together tightly. If he had had hands, Ramona imagined that he would have pinched the bridge of his massive nose. Detective... Thank you. The ability to deliberately engage the metafactor is not one that has been observed within other metahumans since the manifestations triggered by the Thulians. Tesla's eyes darted to Marconi. The other had offered a barely perceptible nod as if to agree with the line of explanation. The surge of metahumans in the last century can be attributed to interference by the Thulians. Not by Metis. The Medicines have devoted much of their time to studying the effects of the Metafactor manifestation, and, when agreed upon by the populace, supporting those Meta-humans willing to counter the Thulians with technology and innovation. Ramona couldn't have heard the last few sentences correctly. She shook her head, convinced that the odd journey from rooftop to conversation hangar had messed up her listening skills. "'I'm not following. "'It sounds like you're saying that metahumans are a mistake "'caused by the Thulians screwing around with the human genome "'and that they're able to willfully turn that gene on and off.' "'Marconi hummed, a bass tone soon matched by overlaying harmonics. "'It made the exposed metal on her skin tingle. Mm, not a mistake, Signorina Ferrari.' We have studied the Thulians for quite some time, and they engage in a purposeful sort of experimentation. Ramona's mouth twisted in disgust. Experimentation. I guess I should have expected that, given who they backed in the thirties and forties. She turned away from the two wireframes, her hands in her hair as she stared out into the darkness of the cavernous room. Perhaps but they have perfected the ability to engage the human factor. But once the initial wave was over, we believed that the genie, as they say, was out of the bottle. They could not control who they awakened or the expression of the metahuman talents. Tesla's crisp words cut through the air, clinical and cold. And yet, we continue to see metahumans thrive." Anger fought past confusion, and Ramona shook while trying to control her voice. So, what you're saying is that Metis has known about the Thulians since before the invasion. They have known about metahumans and how metahumans came to exist, and they have known that the Thulians were involved. She ground her teeth together and pivoted on one heel. And you're treating this like a fucking terrarium with a couple billion crickets and a few hungry lizards! The two heads flinched at her use of language. Had Ramona not been so utterly enraged, she might have found the reaction funny. Instead, she saw an opening and moved in for the attack. "'Has this all been some kind of joke, then? You both sit up here like a bunch of cranky assholes in the balcony of the theater and just offer commentary while everyone else in meet us watches like it's some kind of cutthroat reality show?' Tesla opened his mouth, but Ramona rushed on. "'You'd rather sit up here and watch your legacy go down the toilet because observation is good science? Really? Alex died because you wanted some more observations?' "'Wow,' she offered with thick sarcasm. "'And here I thought all of my friends and co-workers got buried under a couple hundred tons of concrete on the Echo Campus because of some extraterrestrial threat.' Now that I know it's for medicine science I feel so much better Signorina detective shut up Her words did not ring in the dark but both wire frames ceased in their mumbling protest Marconi and Tesla were not her enemies Metis wasn't even her enemy an adversary at the moment but not her enemy Think, Ferrari, think. There has to be something that you can tell these two that will get the medicines off their chairs and into the game. She couldn't threaten them. Lecturing them wasn't going to do any good. She needed to have a bargaining chip. There was nothing whatsoever that Echo and the rest of the world could possibly offer to meet us that they didn't already have. And probably better, she thought sourly. She tried to remember what Bella and Mercury had told her. No, it wasn't Bella, it had been Rick. They're scared, actually. They're afraid the Thulians will find them. He'd laughed ruefully. <laughs> it's hard to negotiate with people who are afraid to come out of their bomb shelter. Yes, but what if that bomb shelter might not shelter them anymore? So the Thulians can turn our powers on she said out loud, looking from Marconi to Tesla and back again. What is Midas going to do if they turn them off again? The wireframe mouths dropped open. It would have been funny if the situation hadn't been so serious. If the Thulians did this to us in the first place, what's to stop them from undoing it, she persisted. And then what? Us Metas are the only thing standing between you and them. Without us, the Thulians roll right over the rest of the world. And it will only be a matter of time before they find you. You can't hide forever. If they even suspect you exist, they'll find you. The wireframe eyes widened. After all, why should they care if they can turn off their own metas? She glared at them, hands on hips. Ninety percent of what they threw at us wasn't metas anyway. It was, oh hell, alien science, I guess. They'll still have that. And what will we have? A few people with powered armor that they may or may not still be able to use, or even remember how to use, some incendiary shells and grenades? That's about it. We'll be toast, they'll have the world, and you'll be mice in a trap. The two looked at each other, and the expressions of astonishment turned to glee. Tesla vanished. Marconi turned his gaze back to her. I think, detective, you have given us exactly the, uh, ammunition we need to approach the conclave with. Tesla has gone to report this to the president. You will probably have to repeat your speech to him, and then to the conclave as a whole, and it might take a little time, but... His wireframe lips stretched into a grin. But... I do not think this is something they will react to with insouciance. Good, she said, and meant it. And uh, while you are waiting... A rectangle of white light opened in the wall behind him. Please make yourself comfortable. Rick has been waiting a long time to finally see you again. Found Penny Written by Mercedes Lackey and Dennis Lee Penny hid in her bed. Lacey's ghost was back. He was the first to materialize, long before the others, just after they finished up the supper food pouches. She hoped he didn't remember her, hoped, hard, that he didn't remember she could see him. Because that was always when the ghosts latched onto her, when they understood she could see them. While she hid, with her head under the flat pillow with just enough of a gap so she could watch him without him knowing, he just stood, staring at Lacey. He seemed so ordinary. He wasn't beaten up, or cut up, or dressed in tattered rags. His hair was short, and as far as Penny could tell, given that he was pretty see-through... He was wearing dark pants and a dark t-shirt, with dark high-top shoes or maybe lace-up boots. Back in the world, she wouldn't have looked twice at him. But who knew what kind of craziness was behind those eyes? The fact that he hadn't done anything yet didn't mean anything. Pike sat down on the side of her bed. He didn't look where she was looking. So he said quietly, pitching his voice so only she could hear. Lacey got a ghost, too? "Uh Uh-huh, Penny whispered, shivering. It's a guy, a young guy. He just stares at her. Well, that's different, isn't it? Pike countered. Different's just different, she replied, trying to keep her teeth from chattering don't mean it's good. And right then was when Creepy Man faded in, homed in on her, and started shambling towards her. Then Screaming Girl and Drunk Lady faded in, and headed straight for Penny too, led by Creepy Man. Screaming Girl started in moaning, working her way up to one of her howling rages. And that was when Lacey's guy whirled, as if he had not realized they were there until that moment— "'and leveled that intense stare on them. "'They were oblivious to it and kept coming towards Penny's bed. "'With a gasp of horror, she knew this was going to be one of those bad, bad nights "'when all of the ghosts stood around her, screaming, babbling, saying terrible, terrible things, "'all of them trying to get her attention, all of them enraged. "'She curled up in a tight, tight ball and started to sob under the pillow.' And then, the impossible happened. Lacey's guy charged at the creepy man, fists swinging purposefully. Belatedly, the creepy man noticed he was coming, but too late to do anything but stumble back a couple of shambling paces. Lacey's guy didn't say a word, not even a sound, not even a grunt. But in moments, he had somehow pummeled the creepy man right out of the air, right out of everything. It was kind of like he beat the creepy man into dust. And then, as Screaming Girl started to shriek, he turned on her. Drunk Lady had at least enough sense left to figure out what was happening after Screaming Girl got chased around the room a couple of times, got cornered, and then was pummeled into nothing the same as Creepy Man. She disappeared on her own. Lacey's guy went back to stand over Lacey and stare at her as Penny realized that about halfway through that... performance, she had stopped shaking. But Pike Shore noticed and poked her in the shoulder. "'What just happened?' he demanded, in a harsh whisper. "'Something just happened, didn't it?' "'The new one. The one with Lacey,' she stammered, actually coming out from underneath the pillow a bit like a turtle cautiously sticking its head out of its shell. Creepy man and drunk lady and screaming girl started coming over here, and he... he went after them, and he chased them and beat on them, and now they're gone. Pike stared at her as if he couldn't quite believe what she was saying. They're... gone, he repeated. How? I don't know, just gone. He, like, beat them up and beat them into nothing. Well, she didn't quite believe it either. And now he's back to staring at Lacey. As if her talking about him alerted him again, he turned his head abruptly and stared at her. Stared at her so hard she felt as if she couldn't move, like his eyes were were pins sticking her in place. "What's he doing?" Pike asked, and poked her again when she didn't answer. "What's he doing?" "He's looking at me," she squeaked. Pike chewed on his lower lip and then on a hangnail on his thumb for a while, as Lacey's Guy continued that intense, intense stare without moving. "Well?" he said, after a long, long moment. What's he doing? She gulped, took a shuddering breath. Still... staring, she said. Not coming after you? Pike asked, putting the hand with the chewed thumb on her shoulder. She shook her head. Just... staring? Pike asked. She nodded, and to her shock, Pike began to chuckle. Well, her brother said, maybe you got a boyfriend then. Before she could reply, he got up and sauntered back to his bed, laid himself down, and went to sleep. Penny stared through the semi-dark at the young man, who stared back, eyes burning, burning, burning across the air between them. And then, when she was afraid she would cry or scream or... Well, she didn't know what, but the tension had almost become unbearable. He turned his head and went back to staring at Lacey. Slowly, she put her head down on the pillow. She tried to keep her eyes open, tried to watch him. But for once, she was just too tired. Her eyes dropped shut. And for the first time since she had arrived in this terrible place, she slept the rest of the night through. You have been listening to Collision, Season 8 of the Secret World Chronicle podcast novel series. Season 8 is written by Mercedes Lackey, Cody Martin, Dennis Lee, and Veronica Jagger. Music is Exciting Trailer by Kevin MacLeod from Incompetech.com. The Secret World Chronicle podcast is narrated and produced by Veronica Jaguer and is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Non Commercial No Derivatives 4.0 International License. The fourth book, Collision, is available in print and ebook in December 2014 from the amazing people at Bayon Books. For more information about the series or to listen to earlier seasons, check out www.secretworldchronicle.com want to chat with the authors and fellow swc fans join the secret world chronicle group on facebook and as always thank you for listening